Okay, let's do this one last time, yeah? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Spider. Call me Spider-Man! I want that ball-crawling arachnid prosecuted! I'm Spider-Man. I want him strung up by his web! Your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man! Hello, true believers. Welcome to the Spider-Man Book Club. This podcast is all about digging into the library of everyone's favorite wall-crawling menace and his multiversal what-if corner of the Marvel Universe. I'm your host, J.J. Hodges, and today I'm joined by artist extraordinaire Jack Ingram back on the show. Jack, thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. It's great to be back, getting into the festive spirit with uh, this kind of uh, wintry story. It, it is, isn't it? Um, and I was quite happy that this was, uh, uh, well, okay, I'll, I'll put it this way. Um, the story you chose, uh, What If uh, Spider-Man versus Wolverine, was um, uh, a, a slightly misleading title because they're not really at odds. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but they... It, it uh, comes from the, from the original uh, story that it, uh, that it spins out of. Okay. All right. So, yeah. so they they are enemies in the original. In this one, they're more uh, yeah. allies. Yeah. Well, for just for some context, and I suppose to kind of get into it, um, how do you generally feel about kind of what if and Elseworld stories and different takes on characters uh, and stories? Do you like seeing different versions? Um, uh, yes, I do, because I feel that they can, you, you can, they, they tend to be some of my, I'm going to say, preferred stories, but in a way, because they, they can go in directions that I'm not expecting, right? You know, like they, because you know, like Spider-Man is going to do the right thing in the end. Like, he's not going to yeah. kill anybody. He's going to, you know, Wolverine's going to kill someone. He's going to kind of chastise him for it. Whereas in this story, they're, they're sort of 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 two minds of, of a thing, yeah. uh, of how to deal with these situations. And I found that to be kind of, you know, different and refreshing. And and also just their, uh, the, the costumes are different yeah. and refreshing a little bit too, because yeah. we have the classic red and blue, and then he has the red and black. It's even like a darker red. And then Wolverine with more of the, the yellow and brown as opposed to the yellow and blue that we're traditionally yeah. seeing him in i mean it's it's interesting you know like with spider-man because when you look at um sort of like a lot of other characters and like kind of what if and elseworlds stories and, and there is a difference between what if and elseworlds obviously not just that one's marvel and one's dc but there's like different sure. approaches but when you look at um sort of these sort of stories and it's i think sort of these sort of alternate takes work more with certain characters than others mm -hmm. you know when you take some, someone like kind of batman i think he's inc an incredibly uh, kind of malleable and like flexible character that you can pretty much take bruce wayne and put him into any sort of setting you know whether it be space sci-fi vampires aliens uh, versus the predator you name it you know right you, you, you can bend him so much and he won't break but when, but when you look at maybe someone like 
Spider-Man or Superman, I don't think you can be as flexible and go too far with them, you know, mm-hmm. with, like with breaking them, because because uh, when you like you look at like a book like The Dark Knight Returns, and then they tried to do that uh, with Spider-Man. Is it is it Rain? Yeah. Like the, like the future story, which is kind of it's almost like a Dark Knight Returns for Spider-Man. Sure. Which it doesn't work like this the dark kind of version of spider-man in that book doesn't work but i right. think because i think they did kind of bend it too much that it did break and there was a lot of weird stuff in that book anyway <laughs> yes. but, I think, but i think this kind of darker version of spider-man in this uh, what if book does work because i think the setting's different around him, but at the core of it, I like that they still kept Peter Parker as Peter Parker. Yeah, and like we'll get into it more with like what happens in the book, but he's still kind of he's still joking and he's still caring. At, yeah, at, at the core, so I don't because I think because I wouldn't call this an evil Spider-Man book. I just think no, no, he's just went in a different direction um it what works about it i think is that it it, it, we you know like you just said we literally see that it's peter parker you know so it's um and and he's addressed as much throughout so i wasn't sure what to expect and i and i enjoyed that aspect where you know he he even has to break up with mary jane at you know towards the end and um and, and I like this idea of, and, and Wolverine and Spider-Man is always kind of a fun pairing anyway. There's there's an ultimate story where they switch brains. It's a little yeah. weird, but it's kind of fun. Um, and, you know, for some reason, those characters just, it just work. There's a lot of comics with Spider-Man and Wolverine, you know, yeah. teaming up. Um, and they're so vastly different and two great characters, really. Yeah. But um it's part of the reason that people have been clamoring for, you know, there's a there's a rumor that in secret the upcoming Avengers Secret Wars that Tobey Maguire and Hugh Jackman are going to have scenes together. Yeah, and we're all like going, yes, finally, we've been craving I mean, this for twenty it, years. It would, be, it would be amazing, you know. It's it, and it's interesting because obviously, you know, like we've previously spoke about, uh, you know, the two uh, Spider-Man and Batman crossovers. Yes, yeah, uh, and we we spoke about how. You know, maybe at first you would consider that to be quite an odd pairing, but yet somehow Spider-Man Wolverine makes sense. Yeah, there's there's very you know there, there's very few characters I think Spider-Man wouldn't get along with. Um, yeah, the the biggest one that comes to mind, of course, is the Punisher. Like he hates the Punisher. Yeah. Um, whereas I think the Punisher doesn't like Spider-Man, but doesn't actively hate him. I mean, I don't think he gives him two thoughts, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, that, well, that's that's one of the things what makes kind of Peter like a great character at his core, because he generally is a very like kind of likable and affable person. Sure. And I think that's kind of, that can be incredibly positive and good thing for a lot of people, but it mm-hmm. also can be a turnoff for a lot of people. You know, it's, I mean, I've known people who are, overly positive and joke too much that and that does kind of rub you the wrong way sometimes sure (laughs) um 
this well you know so this story we're talking about uh what if spider-man versus wolverine um which came out uh january 2008 uh written by jeff parker and paul tobin uh penciled and inked by clayton henry colored by chris sotomayor and lettered by nate picos might be saying that wrong um i will say that the art in this i really enjoyed um it yeah it you know it because we have like a john ramita cover which is already yeah. like misleading because he doesn't do the, <laughs> yeah. the the inside him and claus johnson uh don't do those but um but that's fine because i i thought that the art uh yeah, fit, no, fit the story clayton clayton's art is a uh, it's, it's really clean and it's uh, it's easy to follow you yes. know it's like the storytelling is great in this and is uh, i don't know uh, if you're aware of clayton but he's he's still working today you know he's he's also, mm -hmm. he's been working for dc for the last like maybe 10 15 years and um, he's currently doing a lot of like action comics and like superman stuff and right right um and like his his artwork's only gotten better over the years you know it's um and what as i said what i like about it it's uh it's clean if you know what i mean you know there's there's yeah. not a lot of um it's it's really easy to read and follow. Yes, uh, they, and they always say you know like um, a great. Uh, you can tell like how good a, like the storytelling in a comic book is if you remove all like the words and the dialogue, and mm -hmm. um, and you've just got the art. You can still follow the story. Yeah, um, yeah, and I can like easily see that here with uh, with Clayton's art with um, Jeff and Paul's uh, story. Uh. For, uh, definitely, uh, um, I remember going to New York Comic Con a few years ago, and Greg Capullo said that when he was training under um, Todd McFarlane, that's a, that's how he taught him. He said, yeah. "Put put on a movie and turn the volume off. If you can still yeah. follow the movie, then it's it's a good movie. But if yeah. you can't, then turn the movie off." And yeah. and he said he did that a few times, and I found that to be really interesting because I never really thought about that. But it's it's quite obvious, really, when you, mm -hmm. when you really put some. I mean. Uh, uh, obviously, like no offense to to writers, you know, we wouldn't have comics if it, if we didn't have writers, right? But speaking as an artist myself, you know, it's personally it does it is a visual medium medium first, you know. It's, yeah, um, the fact that there is pictures is what the fact makes it a comic book. Well, in, in otherwise plus, it would just be prose. Well, sure. <laughs> and and writers have a um, a lot, you know, well, it, and I hesitate to say it this way, but slightly easier job. That's why, you know, you can have multiple books by multiple writers on the stands, but really only one book by an artist, you know, maybe like some cover art here and there, mm -hmm. um, because they're doing a lot of the heavy lifting because mm -hmm. they're having to, um, you know, to... To sh you know, if we use the movie analogy again, they're having to build the sets. They're having yeah. to cast the actors. They're yeah. having to you know uh, frame the shots. You know, and and some writers are that way. Like Scott Snyder, kind of famously, uh, and even uh, some other writers uh, will write like, yeah. "I want the you know." Like Alan Moore was this way. You know, yeah. in this panel, this 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 and this and this, and in this panel, this this and this and this. Um, whereas like the quote unquote, the Marvel style is more like, well, let's let the artist kind of mm -hmm. paint the picture and I mean, the writer it, can fill in later. That's, that's f very famously else. 
Saley did it with yeah. you know Kirby and Ditko. And I mean, all it that. can be very, it can be frustrating at times because because not all writers are visual people. Sure. You know, um, you know, I've worked with a couple of different people and. And it it can be a positive thing, and it also can be a hindrance, you know, because mm. because there's a lot of writers and there's a lot of great writers who are just not visual people, and they just can't can't see it. Yeah, um, which, which is you know fair enough. <laughs> sure. Um, like um, I'm not saying that's a bad thing, but uh, but but there is a lot of great writers who just don't whose mind just doesn't work that way. Right. And and that's and that's fine because you know that's that's the whole point. Is um, my thought process with comic books, and I've said this on the show before, has always been that a great comic book. I'm not. Um, oh, excuse me. <clears throat> okay, I was about to sneeze, but it didn't happen. <laughs> um, hold, your, hold hold your web shooters in. <laughs> oh my gosh, um, but uh, a, a great. The, the best kind of comics are the ones where I don't put it down and say, wow, that writing was really great. Or wow, that art was really great. I'm putting it down going, wow, that was a great story. Yeah. You know, like it, it, the whole thing blends together. Yeah. And I think the same thing, you know, again, going back to the movie analogy, same thing when you watch a movie or a TV show, yeah. you know, because if I'm just saying, yeah, some, some of the jokes were funny or some of this was okay, or the set design was great. The CGI was great. Yeah. Um, but if I just walk out of there and go, wow, that was amazing. That's, yeah. You know, like the best example I could think of. Yeah, I mean, it's I uh, you know, it, it's very hard for me to say like if like if we are looking at movies, oh, that movie's like a hundred percent terrible. You know, because right, <laughs> because because even in uh, bad movies, you know, there's always something that you can pick out and be like, well, the like I, I don't know, like you could be watching like the worst, most garbage like looking movie ever. But the score could be really great, or there could sure. be one amazing performance in it that kind of stands out. Because I find it difficult to say something. Like, I try to be positive, and I can't really say a one hundred percent something is god awful. I right. do like there's a, a certain few things, <laughs> <laughs> but 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 you do try and kind of be positive. You know, I and, think that's and this is like speaking of good stories. I mean, this is a good story that uh, I mean, I, I enjoy the story. I I like uh, well, I I like the, the the framing device of having uh, Neb is it Nebo or Nebo or does it matter uh, Nebo Nebo I don't know like yeah. to give to give it some context that like, I didn't reread it uh, reread it for this time round but I remember the first time I read it uh, I read this book I went back to read the original just mm -hmm. to give it a, give a bit of context that like, if you look at DC and Elseworlds that kind of they're much more kind of uh, general in their kind of multiverses. You know, it's, you know, like there's this universe where like people are vampires and this universe, the Nazis won World War Two. Right. It's kind of these big, bigger sort of ideas. But, and, but the Marvel multiverse kind of functions as, you know, every single decision creates an alternate universe. Right. So like, and, and all the what if books, um, they kind of they look at an, an an older story, and then they change one thing. You know what what would happen if this happened instead? You know what right. would happen if the spider, you know, bit Flash instead of Peter, or blah blah blah, and it, the list goes on. 
So in, in this one, um, I can't remember exactly what happens in the original, but it, it does kind of give you the book. This book does give you context to it um, in the beginning, and there's like the photographs that they show um, that Nick Fury shows. That's original art from uh, the the original book. Yeah. So basically, yeah. it's kind of Wolverine's on the trail of this girl who's got connections with the CIA and the KGB that Peter knows. So he kind of gets involved and like follows Wolverine uh, to Russia. And then something happens uh, and Peter kind of ends up uh, killing this woman. Uh-huh. And in the original story, uh, he goes. He goes home. He goes back to New York, and he sees Mary Jane. Um, but this, obviously, this book starts with you know what happens if he if if he stayed uh, in Russia. Yeah, uh, and then what that takes off from there. I think that the <clears throat> the training montage uh, with with uh, with Nebo was really cool. You the idea that like I I helped him expand his spider sense which makes yeah. which you know is is such a cool idea and yeah. you know something that was done in the recent comics with uh with dan slot uh a few months ago at least as of this recording and mm-hmm. and it's it's stuff like that that i really like because i think um peter's spider sense is <laughs> it's it's one of his more frustrating powers i think because yeah. it really only works when the writer wants it to work you know yeah um it, it's like it's just kind of like one of these weird things you know, it's uh, i'm not really sure how it works or you know and, and i don't even i don't even think uh, like peter knows how sure. it necessarily <laughs> works right because, as you said, like, there's times where it does work and it doesn't work, and it only works in certain situations or on certain people, and it's, and then you also have to look at it well. If it's triggered by danger, you know, what constitutes as danger, you know? Yeah. Because, you know, because if uh, if Wolverine is his friend, but let's say gets like mind controlled by mm-hmm. you know one of the masters of evil or whatever. And he's going to come at him and try and kill him. Is would that still trigger it? Because technically, he's not in danger because that's his friend. But I guess it would yeah. be if he's depending on how he's coming at him. I don't know. Yeah. But because <laughs> how it develops in this story, it almost becomes like kind of like he almost becomes like like know, precognition, like like precognition. You know, kind of psychic yeah. level. Like it's it's so attuned that he he knows what people are going to say before they even say it. Right. And and I, I kind of dug that and and uh, it, because it to me it's like you know Spider Man is you know and and this has been stated before by other characters like he's very powerful but yeah. Peter holds back a lot yeah. and in this I I liked you know I like seeing Peter not hold back you know yeah. when they're they're beating up kind of the the the, the Russian mutants and everything and he accidentally yeah. kills the one the Crimson Dynamo in the armor you yeah. know. Um, and I mean, that's, I mean, that's kind of the interesting thing about this, so, uh, about uh, uh, the spider, was it the Spider-Man who went into the cold is the actual yeah. title, right. um, which, uh, which refers to if um, kind of like John Le Carre, Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy, um, 
okay. uh, George Smiley, the spy who came in from the cold. Because uh, if a spy, what it means is, is if a spy comes in from the cold, it means uh, uh, they're retiring. That's uh, that's what they call it. Um, um, so he's obviously becoming uh, a spy and assassin. And it's interesting to, to think, you know, with, with Peter's powers, um, his like spider abilities like do kind of make him the perfect sort of hitman assassin spy. Right. He's got the sense. He's got uh, the strength, the stealth, the brains. He he is the perfect um, espionage, like black ops agent, whatever you want to call him. Right. And and uh, and and same with uh, with Wolverine on that sense because he he's an excellent tracker and yeah. he's good at kind of sneaking around. You know, he he always brags. You know, and the best there is at what I do. Yeah. Right. And uh, and I think the line is like the best there is of what I do. What I do isn't very pretty, something like that. Yeah. Um, and and I and, and like I said, I I like the two of them together. Uh, the, the only thing that I think I, I I took this as very much as it was as a what if story because mm-hmm. I think normally when Peter starts to cross the line, the, the irony is that a lot of times it's or, or is about to cross the line. A lot of times it's Wolverine that pulls him back and goes. You don't want to be like me, kid, you know, Yeah. Um, which I always kind of dug that aspect. Mm-hmm. And this one, Wolverine's kind of like excited by it. You know, he's like, oh, you know, you're you're kind of becoming a man now, essentially. He doesn't say yeah. that, but but essentially and, and that kind of stuff. I because uh, I, I when I my first reaction to that was, like, oh, no, no, that's not how that goes. And I was like, oh, wait a minute. This is a what if story. Like, like calm yeah. down a little bit, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean it's interesting because. Because the story kind of. It doesn't get into it too deep, but there's this idea, you know, you know what? Why would uh, why would Peter stay in Russia? Yeah, you know, you know why would he stay? And and well, like any of, man, he stays for a woman. <laughs> yeah, because they do kind of explain, you know, well, like there's the two sisters and one of them dies, so like Wolverine kind of ropes him in to kind of get revenge and like help protect her. Yeah. And then there's like uh, one line where I think uh, Black Widow kind of shows a picture of Gwen Stacy, uh, and she's like, "Oh, Alex, like really resembles like Gwen. Like you know, we've got a thing for for blondes." Yeah, yeah. And and I so, so so part of it is you know kind of Peter like Peter all has always got this sort of innate need to protect people and. And that's why he kind of that's why he kind of stays because because he, he sees like being this government agent like hunting down all the the evil like spies essentially. Mm-hmm. He sees that as he can do much more, uh, much uh, more better for the world doing that than he would be being a superhero from back in New York. I I really liked that. Um... The, the idea that he kind of admits right away, you know, or you know, not right away, like the, the letter he writes to, to Mary Jane, he says, I think I can do a lot more good here. You know, I'm, I'm going to miss you, but I know that uh, missing you is, is just part of it uh, yeah. because it, it, you'll be safe now. And, yeah. and, and I, that's Peter's whole thing, you know, is, mm-hmm. is, you know, no one dies. I, I protect yeah. everybody. And, and that's, and I thought, I was like, that's that's very in character. Even if 
him staying there is not in character, but that's what these stories are all about, right? Yeah. I mean, when you look at, obviously this is like spinning out of um, an, in, a, an incontinuity story. Mm-hmm. So up until this point, like, like in the timeline of like the Marvel Universe, let's say, uh, you know, when this would have happened, you know, he's already lost Uncle Ben, uh, mm-hmm. Gwen would be dead at this point. Um, Jean DeWolf would have died right. uh, by that point. Uh, Captain Stacy would have died by that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you're better knowledge, uh, more knowledgeable than, than I, you know. Up oh, you're, you're, you're getting it, though. It's like, there's a lot uh, of death. <laughs> up, 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 until, uh, up until the mid-90s, he's probably already lost like, <laughs> numerous people. A, t- a ton of supporting cast, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, and- so I can I can kind of I can kind of see uh, why this version of Peter Parker, you know, would stay. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think he's always a character that's just he's he's on he's always on the edge. Yeah. And his like whether it's Wolverine pulling him back or Mary Jane or Aunt May, you know, he always gets pulled back. You know, it's, I mean, it's, it's like it's like the killing joke says. You know, it's all it takes is just you know one bad day, right, right. Um, and I think Peter is very much like that um, because he has lost so much, and he does try his darndest to like to do everything he can to stop it from happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think. Um, he really knows when to stop or what he's actually capable of or yeah or maybe he's too optimistic and he's kind of he's too hopeful and he doesn't realize that you know that there is no way to to stop death you know it's it kind of always reminds me of like um like firefighters you know mm-hmm. they, there's never gonna come a time where like they've defeated fire there's all there's always going to be fire there's not there's not going to be a day where like well there's no no longer need for firefighters because f- fire has finally been defeated <laughs> <laughs> that's that's true you know, um, there, there's there's always going to be a fire there, well there's a there's a good line in it that that really kind of resonated with me and i think kind of stuck with peter too where uh when it, it's after he kills the crimson dynamo he says mm-hmm. does everybody die and yeah. and Wolverine goes eventually, yeah. <laughs> it's just, yeah. And it's just kind of funny that that's sort of that felt very in character to me for Wolverine. You know that yeah. Wolverine's just like, well, they're gonna die at some point, you know, and yeah. but they're I, bad I people, so they're gonna die now. <laughs> I love I love that moment in the snow because because it kind of showed you know it's well this is Wolverine not holding back, right? And then like kind of and then Wolverine kind of comments to Peter, you know, are you holding back? Because <laughs> because mm-hmm. I because I wasn't. Right, and, like, you know, it's like it's like Spider-Man, Superman, or like any like any of these uh, any superhero that has some level of uh, of like superhuman strength. Mm-hmm. You know, they're always like having to fight back, right. and, like like pull their punches. You know, because because yeah. if, if Spider-Man or Superman or whoever like put, like punch you with their full strength. It would you're, kill you. You're you know, obliterated. Like, 
your chest would cave in, your skull would shatter, you know, you'd go <laughs> flying across a wall. So they're always having to hold back. I there's a there's a good line in Smallville where um, Clark says that to his dad when they're like he's playing football and he gets he gets kind of taken over and he accidentally hurts somebody and his dad is like you got to quit football mm. and then but Clark stays with it because he, he has to he's being manipulated by somebody mm. and he says to his father and this line always stuck with me where he said you know every handshake every hug every time I'm with somebody I have to hold back you can't yeah. understand what that's like yeah and and it, and it was sort of the first time I ever thought about that in terms of Superman I was like oh man like yeah like he is constantly having to hold back isn't he because i mean i mean i can i, mean, I can see the situation you know you know that moment where like you've got like a biscuit or a, like a cracker and you're like kind of spread some butter and cheese on it and half the biscuit like breaks <laughs> off yep, like, no! yep. <laughs> so, so, the, so your next one you're like let, trying to scrape the cheese as lightly as possible not to yep. break your cracker <laughs> Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's having to do that constantly, otherwise he'll like crush your hand, rip rip a door off, you know. Right, and I think it's you know, and it's that kind of reality. I think because there's there was some article I read a long time ago that it's like, well, if Superman actually had those powers, you know, if he was trying to lift a car, he just he wouldn't be able to control it. He would just like rip right through the car, and yeah. but obviously that's not interesting, and that's ridiculous and weird and <laughs> nobody wants yeah. to do the reality of it so let's do the again the emotional reality where he can control it and he can yeah. not hurt you um but um but with with spider-man i think he he does hold back a lot and in this story you know when he finally i i liked that there there was still a good balance there where he doesn't hold back he's gonna kill the bad guys mm -hmm. but he's not going crazy he's not like yeah. You know, he doesn't kill Wolverine. He doesn't kill Nick Fury or anything. You yeah. know, he's very that's much what, uh, yeah. He's still a good guy in it. Yeah, that's one of the things that really like stood out for me. Cause, um, you know, like I say, you know, Peter has essentially became this sort of Black Ops uh, secret agent hitman. Mm -hmm. You know, um, and it's like he's doing it for the right reasons, but at right. the core of it. This, this, uh, Jeff and Paul have like still managed to like keep keep his character, you know, even though he is taking out all these um, other assassins or, or whatever. Um, right. You know, he's he, he's still quipping. <laughs> um, he's still making jokes. He's still the same sort of like jovial character that we know. He's just, you know just gone a little bit one step too far right and there's there's sort of one point where the um where wolverine even like jokes to him you know on one mission that oh are you not gonna like like make a joke or anything about about the situation right and, and as i said like he is kind of doing it for the right 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 reasons and he does still care about people because at one point uh, like black widow mentions that uh like he's still like sending like his money like to Aunt May, even right. though he's like like an assassin, like working for the CIA, you know. Yeah, I I that I really liked because it, you know, it, it, that felt very in character. And as as far as the what ifs go, this is you know some of them go like 
way left of center, right of center. This is just slightly left of center, right? Yeah. Like he's still Spider-Man, but he's killing now. Yeah. But he's only killing bad guys because I think there's other stories where well, I know there's other stories where he he's just he kills other people kind of even if it's by accident. And yeah. it's it's almost like, oh my god, like the Spider-Man went off the deep end, but in this case, he's it's very controlled. And showing yeah. that, you know, that training montage with Nebo is, is really great, right? You know, where he gets to be... Um, <clears throat> so th that kind of stuff I thought was cool because we get to, uh, you know, and, and not even reluctantly, like Peter wants to learn more, you know, about yeah. his powers and how to use them and everything. Um, and I think that's such a cool way to uh, to do it. It's like, because, you know, in, in there's a comic from like 10 years ago, like, like in Spider Island, he trains, he loses his spider sense. So he trains with uh, Shang Chi yeah. on and how to have kind of a natural sense of of preparing for danger. Whereas in this yeah. case, it's like let's expand the sense. Let's uh, mm -hmm. let's try something else here. And I like that it's not, but it also the way it's done isn't cynical. It isn't mm -hmm. like oh you know this is just a job. We're killing people. Like Peter's very much like no, this is the right thing to do. We're, yeah. we're taking bad guys. You know, he says it to yeah. Mary Jane. You know, like. You know, I, I'm sorry that I'm not coming home, but you know this this is important work that needs to get done. I can't remember what they said exactly, but there's but there's a line um, in the comic that kind of says that uh, kind of like hinting to the idea that yeah, like Peter is you know like doing this, taking on like assassin assassin missions, but he is still very um, particular and like choosy with with the missions that uh, that he goes on. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just he just doesn't kill everyone, you know. He, he's very particular and like right. chooses and accepts um, the right uh, the right missions. Right, and but like you were saying about the like the training, I always kind of find that idea fascinating. If you know, even though you've got superpowers, you have no actual fight training. Right, right. <laughs> and like, so you don't have, you don't know how to use them. Like, just because you're strong doesn't mean you're a good fighter. Right. And like you were saying, you know, there was at one point where he trained with, um, like Shang Chi, and I think there's been other times where maybe he's fought like Iron Fist, and Danny's yeah. kind of taught him how to fight. There's also a bit in, um, I can't remember what it's in, but it's a, an Avengers comic where. Uh, like Tony Stark, like says to himself, you know, thanks, uh, thanks, Steve, thanks, Captain America for the the combat lessons. Yeah, yeah. They're just because just he's got like the, the Iron Man suit, you know, with the lasers and the rockets, he's he's got no natural like combat instincts. You know, right. all they do is just boom, boom, blast, blast. <laughs> so the idea that they actually like like Spider Man or whoever is actually trained in actual combat, mm -hmm. like with their superpowers. Right, uh, it's very interesting. Uh, quite a cool uh, idea. Um, it's much the, more um, controlled, right? And and in this story, you know, like Nick Fury is a big part of it, and is Black, and so is Black Widow, and mm -hmm. and I love this weird thing that I, I I don't know if it was Brian Michael Bendis that started it, but I feel like he kind of perfected it, and and Jeff and Paul kind of kept that going in this story, where it's like Nick Fury knows everything. You know, so he knows what's going on. You know, he's like, 
he said, you don't have to, because he straight up says to, to Nebo at the beginning or Nebo or whatever. And he's like, you know, you, you don't have to tell me. I already know. I'm Nick Fury. Yeah. You know, <laughs> it's just that kind of weird omnipresent version of Nick Fury. Like we just did an episode yeah. about secret invasion. And one of the tie-ins is that Fury is trailing this woman that he's like sleeping with. Mm-hmm. And, and he finds out she's a scroll. And then he, and he immediately figures it out. He's like, the scrolls are invading yeah. and, and he disappears and, you know, and it causes this big uproar in the Marvel universe, but uh, it, he ends up coming back in the story to save the day, you yeah. know, or to help save the day because he trained this new group of, you know, secret warriors. And it's just, it, to me, it's just kind of, you know, it's, it's one of these like impossible characters, you know, sort of like Batman yeah. in a sense yeah. um, where they just know everything. They're the smartest people in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, not, and not just because they've been around the block, but because they're, they're prepared for literally almost anything. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty, and, and that's pretty awesome. But it's mm-hmm. also like it, that sort of only works in this, this type of story because otherwise yeah. you're just like, well, that's a little ridiculous. Like you can't know everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting because, because obviously he, it's kind of used for as a little bit of a, like exposition at the beginning of the story, you know, to give right. context of what actually happened. But I like it that even though we do have like this, character that does seemingly know everything that's going on it's not all you know exposition 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 you know mm-hmm. it's just kind of used as a as a device for for Nebo to kind of tell this story of right behind the scenes of kind of what happened mm-hmm. because obviously because it seems like Nick Fury's knowledge of the events is only kind of surface level like he knows Spider-Man is like been working for the government and um, you know he's working with Wolverine and there's there's these missions going on mm-hmm. but he doesn't know the sort of mechanics of what actually went behind the scenes and and that's why like we're kind of introduced and able to kind of fill in the blanks you know well right you know there was this mission and that mission and there's one bit where like oh and then there was this target that you probably don't even like know about yeah, and I think that's when he says, "Like I'm Nick Fury." Of course, I know about it. Something like that, yeah. you know. And it's, and that kind of it's interesting. Like one of the big uh, draws for me to this story is the sort of is uh, the spy and espionage and Cold War and stuff. Because because as well as you know, kind of comic books, and uh, I love uh, spy stories. Um, I love James Bond, and I love, yeah, uh, yeah. I love Cold War and espionage stories like John Le Carre, uh, Ian Fleming, and um, you know, so that sort of that side of uh, of the Marvel universe uh, is really quite intriguing, you know, and how these sort of um, the two different worlds of the kind of, I guess, the reality mm-hmm. and like the superhero worlds kind of work together. It's the same like with DC. Like I find sort of organizations like Checkmate um, and Amanda Waller and and how the government kind of functions really fascinating. Because mm-hmm. um, like there's a there's a bit in this uh, in this issue where you know they kind of mention that um, you know Spider Man can easily handle and he knows how, uh, what to do with like supervillains and like the sort of everyday superhero. Uh, of it all, mm-hmm. but he's never had to deal with sort of like people kind of 
villains in the real world and how that right. sort of side of uh, crime fighting, I guess, if you want to call it that, um, functions. You know, he can easily take down, you know, Doc Ock or whatever, but when he's put into a situation with government agents and, you know, spies and traitors and S.H.I.E.L.D. and terrorists and yeah. government conflicts, you know, that's a whole new world for him. Mm -hmm. I think it, uh, well, you know, that's that's where Marvel started really in the 60s with, and there were, you know, concerns about the Cold War. So it's why yeah. like a lot of the villains were Russian back then, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, this this is a this is a comic I could easily see, you know, like coming out in like the sixties or seventies, you know. Sure. Yeah. I I, I can see, uh, um, oh god, the names just totally left me. Uh, uh, Jim Sterenko. Oh yeah, yeah. I I can easily see this being like a classic, like Jim Sterenko, like issue of like Nick Fury's shield or whatever, you know, like. Mm -hmm. Like Spider-Man joins Shield and becomes an assassin, you know, and and you know that's uh, and that's what's interesting about this story. Like I said, is that it's it's very it's just slightly left of center, you know. Yeah. Like he, he even at one point, like somebody, one of the villains is taunting him about using his webs, so he like makes like a finger gun, but then like an actual bullet comes out of his web shooter, yeah. Yeah. and I was like. I was like, damn, like, you know, the yeah. Spider-Man's hardcore. It's, it's like th these little, like, sort of, uh, like, um, subversions of, uh, like, the norms, because, like, because yeah. you would expect, like, the normal Peter in that sort of situation to be, like, to, like, to, to use his webs or throw a kick out or, or use some sort of, um, yeah. you know, spider gadget or, or whatever. Right, yeah, it's, and, that, it's that. It kind of reminds me of uh, the scene in uh, Indiana Jones, um, the first one with uh, the guy with the sword. Oh, he shoots him. <laughs> uh, yeah, and there's just this big like flare, and he just takes the gun out and shoots him. Yeah, because <laughs> you expect that. Because that, because you expect like to be this like big sort of uh, like villain fight in the middle of this issue, but he's just like, no, bang, <laughs> and yeah. And and that and I love that kind of uh, you know the subversion of expectations there because sometimes that that it's just as entertaining like like here we are talking about it as opposed to going you know just like glossing over it or forgetting about it like if you had mentioned yeah. that but like I don't remember that part or something you know yeah um, but uh, but yeah no I I I, I really like the story because it it shows this other side of Peter where you know he has to be a, a quote unquote necessary evil. And and like yeah. in his costume just looks awesome too, you know. <laughs> yeah, like I really I really thought the costume was quite interesting. You know, it's, it kind of reminded me of um, the old Alex Ross uh, redesign. Yeah. Um, of the costume, and I, that I think is it the first Superior Spider-Man costume used that design as well. Uh, it was it was later in the story. He had he had like yeah. kind of the red on top, and the rest was black. Yeah, it was like yeah. kind of black with the red because. Um, that's what it kind of reminded me of, but it was also I liked how it was. He did have kind of pouches, and it was like practical. Yeah, yeah. But it was, but it was still very much uh, a Spider-Man uh, suit. It's like instantly recognizable as a spider suit. Right, right. 
Oh, like in the uh, the Madam Web trailer, <laughs> which we were talking about not too long ago. Yeah, uh, little, I, that weird that <laughs> Ezekiel that suit. Yeah, that movie will be something. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's interesting. You know, it's it's like Sony likes making Spider Man movies without Spider Man. Well, but they're the I mean, only ones because nobody likes them. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, I, I've, I've said to you before, you know, it's, uh, I've never seen, uh, I've not seen either of the, the Venom movies or uh, Morbius. Yeah, and, uh, I, pro- I probably, I probably never will. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not really missing anything. Like I, I, like the the thing I like best about the the Venom films, it legitimately is the way that they look. Like Venom and Carnage look really cool. Yeah. Um. Like I have the Funko Pops of those characters, but that's kind of where it, like I'm mm. after that, you know. <laughs> like I, I would, I would much rather watch a a Spider-Man James Bond movie. Yeah, that would be cool. <laughs> like, like, like imagine a like this comic storyline done in the vein of like a '90s like Pierce Brosnan James Bond movie. Yeah, 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 that'd be amazing. Yeah. Um, so Jack, this has been, this has been such a blast getting to, getting to talk to you about this, uh, the story I didn't even know about, you know, so you, you brought this to my attention. So thanks for that. I think, uh, what, I think I'm, I don't even know how I came across it. Well, I think I came across it obviously like through the kind of the what if of it all. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause as I said, like I do, I do really enjoy sort of Elseworlds and what if like stories and like different takes on characters. Right. So I was kind of like reading through a, a bunch of what ifs, mm-hmm. and this one really uh, stuck out to me. Um, and I think what attracted me to it was the sort of Cold War sort of, you know, spy um, espionage aspect to it. Yeah. Um, and then, as as we said, you know, Spider Man Peter is one of those characters that he is so good. So it's always interesting, you know, when he does kind of go bad. Right. But what I I enjoyed about it was, you know, this could have been a story that could have been taken three steps further. Mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. had the the restraint to kind of hold it back. Right. Because this could, because at first, when you first start it, I think you kind of almost expect it to be an evil Spider-Man story. Yeah, yeah. Because I, because I can easily see a version of this story that does take that extra step. You know mm-hmm. where where Peter does become. I don't want to say a villain, but he does take that step to be like, like proper, like killer. Yeah, like yeah, that's that's a good but, way to put it. But the story really has a lot of restraint and like holding back, mm-hmm. and like it, it goes. Maybe it doesn't go like the full step over the edge, but just half a step. Right, right. <laughs> you know, because we've seen like countless like other stories of these incredibly good characters who who go bad. You know, there's countless stories of like an evil Superman or an evil Batman. Right. You know, there is other stories of like an evil Spider-Man. But I like how I like the restraint in this story mm-hmm. that it doesn't push that boundary. Yeah, that, that that was definitely uh, something I found much more interesting and uh, surprising about it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but like I said, yeah, this has been a blast. I'm I'm glad we got to talk about this. And uh, 
If uh, people are out there in the uh, multiverse interwebs looking for you, where can they find you? They can find me on a, the app formerly known as Twitter, X, the everything <laughs> app, uh, uh, at Jack Ingram 95, uh, and on Instagram, same again, at Jack Ingram 95, and then my Etsy with a lot of uh, art and stuff, some Spider Man stuff on it. Um, there's Jack Ingram art. Um, as for me, you can find me at Spider-Man Books on Twitter, because uh, I refuse to call it anything else. Uh, <laughs> um, you can also find my personal account, which is at 4ComicJunkies, which is F-O-R Comic Junkies. Um, you can also email me, SpiderManBookClub at gmail.com. And please, if you're uh, reading this, or if you're listening to this, reading this, <laughs> uh, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please write a review, subscribe, get those buds in ears. And uh, they could be reading the the transcription of the, the episode. They, they, they could be. They could be. If you, know, if, if you can't understand my uh, my Scottish uh, lilting <laughs> accent, they could uh, they could read it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, I, I was considering coming on and uh, doing like a Wolverine voice. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like Cal Dodd, you know. <laughs> my, my, my favorite Wolverine is uh, is it Scott? Scott Neal from uh, X-Men Evolution. Oh, yeah, yeah. My, my favorite line is in the first episode when he goes into the shop and it's like, water, cold. <laughs> <laughs> Which is exactly how Wolverine would order, well, not a water, but... <laughs> yeah. but, but, uh, but you can't uh, have him like chugging down like a pint like, sure. in, in a children's cartoon. <laughs> yeah, I guess, I guess. <laughs> um, well, thanks, folks, for joining us. And uh, as always, we will leave you with Excelsior! Flip, flip.